Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Prince Jackson. I'm back again, and I got a guest, uh, Chris. I don't know how to pronounce your last name. I'm not <laughs> gonna <good>. lie. Kulemeyer. <laughs> Kulemeyer. Okay, that's a good name. I was like, I was trying to figure out how, like, uh, to pronounce it last night, but I was like, I'll just ask him yeah. on the show. But anyway, hey, everybody. It's another episode of the Teachers Lounge, and again, I'm here with Chris Kulemeyer, and it's my first episode in Salt Lake City. But how you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. Happy to be out here. Good. Good. Uh, no, it's neat. I don't get to come down to downtown too much. I, I know, I guess this is probably the, the, the biggest experience you have with Salt Lake living in downtown, but like, it's, it's pretty nice. I, I moved here about a year ago and I've only been in this area like four times now. Mm. Well, yeah, well, I mean, I live in downtown honestly, I enjoy it a lot. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes I miss uh, where I used to live, like outside of the craziness. For sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, cool. So Chris, you are a music educator here in Salt Lake City, but let's uh, let's go back to the beginning. So what got you started in wanting to teach? So I wanted to be a forensic anthropologist for the longest time, like all through high school. Uh, and it wasn't until my junior year of high school that my band director like got pregnant, had a kid and all that. And while she was out on maternity leave, uh, we just had a bunch of regular substitutes who had no clue what they were doing. Um, so I had the awesome opportunity of going up and like conducting and, and found out I was pretty decent at it and just had a lot of fun with it. But even through that, I wasn't considering it as a career path so much. Mm. Um, but at the same time in high school, I was that kid who was a part of like every single activity in existence, uh, usually in some sort of leadership role. Like I did JROTC, quiz bowl, uh, football, uh, golf, all the, all of that, like at the same time. Um, but found out that I was like really good at balancing all these things, but at the same time kind of drawing people in and teaching them how to do it. Uh, and all my coaches, advisors, teachers always told me that, Chris, you'd make a great teacher someday. And I just kind of laughed it off because, you know, I had other career goals at the time. But my senior year, um, when I finally got out and, and was like touring colleges to see what I could do, you know, in the realm of forensics, every school that I went to, uh, the biggest criteria for me was how good was their music program. And then I went to SUU and toured their music building to see how much I could be involved in the music program. And as I was there, realized that I need to be majoring in this. Mm -hmm. So I switched to a music education major. And from there, the rest is history. Just kind of, uh, you know, took every teaching opportunity I could, which eventually landed me in this job. Uh, so um, right now, I know you're in high school. So um, what did you do before that exactly? So I taught... As I was in college, I taught elementary music. I taught fifth grade orchestra for four years at four different schools simultaneously. Wait, you did? You said you did that while you were in college? Yes. How did that work? Yeah. So it was interesting. As a as an elementary teacher, uh, as like a specialist in this case, it was kind of an extracurricular thing that happened to happen during school. Mm -hmm. um, so they didn't need a degree or anything. And actually, that was a kind of a big stroke of luck for me to get that position. My uh, my grandma teaches art lessons out of her house um, in Cedar City, which is part of the reason I ended up going to SUU. Mm. Um, but one of her students was, at the time, in fifth grade orchestra at one of the elementary schools out there uh, as I was going into my freshman year of college. And about halfway through the year, uh, the teacher who was doing orchestra there just stopped showing up. And... You know, the, the school didn't pay too much attention to it. They just didn't have the orchestra class for a little while. Um, but then the uh, the kid who also went to my grandma for art lessons was starting to complain a lot about not having an orchestra teacher. My grandma was talking me up about how I was going into music education. Uh, 
longer story short, the kid's mom ended up calling the school board and said, hey, what's going on with the orchestra program? It was really awesome, and you're not really doing anything with it. And they said, oh, we just haven't had time or another teacher to do it. She says, I know a guy. <laughs> so I get a call out of the blue. My grandma didn't tell me a thing about this as it was going on, but I get a call from uh, the director of elementary education in Iron County School District uh, one January afternoon, and he says, hey, I heard you're in music education at SU, and I'm like, yeah, who is this? And <laughs> He says, well, I have an interesting proposition for you. Uh, we are in search of a um, someone to replace our elementary orchestra teacher for the remainder of the school year as kind of a long-term substitute. Would you be interested? I said, yes. I didn't ask about money or nothing. I just jumped on it. I was placed into three different schools simultaneously, uh, doing two hours a week at each school. Uh, and then after that, I asked, what's the process look like for you know f fully replacing this position? He says, do you want it? And I said, absolutely. So for the next three years, I built those programs, and by my senior year, I picked up a fourth school, um, and we turned that program from three different schools, having about uh, 15 kids total across the three, to having over 120 at four schools by the time I left. Whoa. And yeah. you were doing this all while you were in college. Yes. It was, uh, it was a big undertaking, and I barely made my gas money back, but <laughs> it, was, it was totally worth it, uh, beefing up the music program there. So... Uh, I know whenever I did my um, music education degree, I felt like uh, a lot of times, like I didn't get the opportunity to go into the classrooms mm -hmm. while I was taking those classes. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the best way to learn, you know, how to teach is really by doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. So do you think, um, so you got those experiences like being a teacher and you got those outside of the university, correct? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And how did that like help your um help your education experience at the school? So it, it changed my perspective immensely. You know, going in, I, I felt like as I was in school, the majority of the stuff that I learned about how to teach, I already kind of knew. It was just kind of labeling it or giving it proper uh, vernacular, proper, proper words to describe. Yeah, you're just, you know, trying to demonstrate something so that a student can see it and then copy it. Oh, that's called modeling. Um, but beyond that, I didn't learn, I didn't feel like I was getting too much out of the experience. Um, in terms of refining my teaching strategy just by, you know, learning about what other people do. Uh, but having the opportunity to get into a classroom and kind of test my style and see how the students reacted to it was my best way of, you know, refining my practice. And you can't just, you can't do that in, in, a, in a classroom full of adults. Did you get a, would you say um, you got a lot of opportunities through the university too? I, I feel like there were a lot of opportunities there, but I had to seek them out. Like our Southern Utah University is notoriously small, um, but because of that, they have a, a very strong connection with the local schools, um, which helped me kind of re reinforce and promote my position as the elementary school teacher. Uh, we were able to use university facilities free of charge for like concerts and stuff, um, but there weren't necessarily automatic placements of like, oh, SUU is going to be at this school in this classroom on this day. But you can ask advisors through the university, oh, um, is it possible for me to get credit or uh, skip class for a day or two so that I can go out and help out the high school um, woodwind section for a day? And they, of course, said yes and would help you get credit and would help you organize that sort of thing. But they weren't actively promoting it, if that makes sense. Mm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So how did you, like, seek those out at the university then? So I, I actually didn't go through the university at first. I just went out and emailed teachers in the, the local area and was, you know, asking, hey, uh, I'm taking woodwind methods right now. Can I go 
uh, for a project, work, do a sectional with your, your flutes one day? And they said, absolutely. Um, and then a few months later, the Woodwind Methods class had an actual assignment where they partnered with the high school and took the whole class over there and did all that. Mm. Um, but it's a lot harder to do when you have 25 college kids coming in to work with a band of 40 kids as opposed to going in on your own and working with a good amount on your own. Uh, that's fair. Uh, so it was a lot of you kind of going out. And then yeah. afterwards, you like you said earlier, you made sure that like it was cool with the university. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Said, didn't okay. want to step on any toes. <laughs> So, um, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, SUU was super, uh, super understanding about all of this stuff and was super supportive throughout the journey. Like, we were looking into booking concert venues again for our elementary program. By the time, you know, uh, by my senior year, we had 120 kids across all the schools. No one, no single elementary school was able to host an event for that. So, mm -hmm. uh, we were looking into the community to book venues and, like, the local concert hall was going to cost thousands of bucks. We just used a recital hall at the university for free. Because they were supportive of the uh, the whole experience, and the music department actually ended up paying for the insurance for the event. <laughs> oh wow, yeah. that's great. Yeah, that's really great. Awesome. So, and SUU, like I know Dr. G. Mm -hmm. That's how you met her. Yeah. Shout out to Dr. G. But anyway, <laughs> so um, your student teaching, uh, mm -hmm. what did that look like since you were already kind of teaching then? Yeah. So it was so interesting my student teaching experience in that. Uh, Cedar City only has two high schools, mm -hmm. and since we were like full on living there, my wife had a job at the time. There was no way that we were going to be able to pick up and, you know, move up north or, or or even south to to take an alternate student teaching assignment. I had to fight for uh, a position in Cedar City, and that left us with two options because there were two high schools um, with band programs, and I was looking into teaching high school band. Therefore, I needed to teach high school band or student mm -hmm. teach high school band. So it was actually my junior year that I started volunteering on a regular basis at Cedar High School mm -hmm. uh, just to kind of solidify my placement there, get, get in with their staff and their students so that when it came time to select student teachers and place them all over the place, I already had it in there so that I can um, secure that position, which I did. Um, but as I went in, it was awesome because, I, because of that, I knew all the students, I knew the program pretty well. Um, but my first day, my first two weeks of student teaching, my mentor teacher actually got COVID, uh, which, yeah, it bad for him, but it was nice because he got to take a little bit of a break and didn't have to worry too much about a new student teacher coming in because he knew me already, and it gave me the awesome position of just taking over the entire program for two weeks uh, without having to uh, obviously consulting my mentor teacher in the process, but um, not having to co-teach or anything. I just got to jump right in and do all of it on my own. Um, mm -hmm. which was an awesome experience. I got to build a lot of uh, rapport with the students, and they reacted really well, um, and get started on that festival cycle. It was just awesome. Am I crazy? This is recording, right? Yeah. Oh, I, don't, I just didn't see. Yeah, it'll stop tracking once you get toward the end of it, um, mm. and then it just keeps adding, so it'll, yeah. Yeah, I see, it's just yours look blank. Sorry, I'm looking at the computer right oh now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. Um, but, yeah, uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah, so he caught COVID. Were you teaching, student teaching during COVID? Yeah, or? yeah. So COVID basically didn't happen in the eyes of Cedar City, Utah, for better or for worse. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> there was a whole thing about, you know, masks because everyone wanted to burn anyone with one. Uh, but the <laughs> um, regardless, it, it, it posed some nice opportunities for us because while the rest of the world was kind of shut down, while the university was shut down, I was still able to get out and teach. Uh, because school was still in, th in session for students. Um, it was uh, it posed a lot of decent opportunities, a lot of interesting ways to go about things with some changes and trying to, to remain safe, despite 
pushback from a lot of parents and students. Um, mm. But we were able to get through it, and it, it taught me a lot about uh, how to interact with parents, too. It <laughs> definitely helped pre- prepare me for this position. So. And so, so I'm just uh, I'm curious. Yeah. So, like, what year exactly did you start student teaching? Like, was it yeah. your spring semester when COVID happened, or was it the, the fall after? COVID? So, I I student taught just from the spring semester of 2022, so it was kind of at the tail end of things. Okay, okay. Um, but I was still teaching orchestra all through 2020, 2021, mm. um, with all of that. My my prime volunteering era was in late 2021. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I was. Um, I started my student teaching in fall of uh, twenty, fall of twenty twenty two, I think it was. Wait, that would have been last year. Yeah. I was here. <laughs> no, sorry, fall of twenty twenty one. Yeah, because I graduated yeah. in December twenty one. Mm-hmm. So spring twenty one, I was uh, doing my student teaching, and I remember uh, we had hubs, mm-hmm. and so um, all the band kids stayed in the band hub, and we rehearsed for like an hour, but. You had to stay in the classroom so you couldn't uh, leave for your other classes. You basically it was online class except for band, huh. where you played. Interesting. Yeah, it didn't work very well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Yeah. I mean, not like band kids tend to go anywhere else but the band room throughout the day anyway. But yeah. Yeah, I guess that's fair. <laughs> but like, I don't know. I we you you just like uh, kids get antsy, especially high school kids when yeah. they have to sit in the same room for. Like eight hours, absolutely. <laughs> and lunch was brought to them, so they weren't <laughs> leaving anywhere. Oh man! But no, it's okay. Yeah. I I love my time at Asheville. Shout out to those guys; <laughs> they were great. But so, you know, that was your your student teaching. So you get done student teaching. Now, is this whenever you got into like the high school position, or was there something else before that? So yeah, uh, immediately after student teaching, actually while I was student teaching, I received the job offer. Um, but prior to that, it was it was kind of scary because, you know, I'm student teaching in Cedar City. Uh, of the two high schools, it didn't seem like anyone was leaving anytime soon, so I was obviously going to have to move out of um, the city if I wanted a career the, by the next fall. Um, and application time was crazy because uh, in Utah, we have, we have so many schools with band programs, but all of them have very reputable directors, mm-hmm. and very few were leaving at the time of my application. Um, so it was it was really hard kind of filtering through that because part of me wanted to stay in Utah, part of me wanted to leave, but it's also really expensive to leave. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, going into education, it's not like I'm going to get a job that's going to justify spending all this money moving somewhere if you can't make it back up. But we were, we were strongly considering my wife and I moving up to Oregon or Washington, somewhere in the Pacific Northwest, um, just because of the, the climate, the, the feel, and how they treat educators there is decent. Uh, but very few job openings were, were being posted. And I was I, I applied to, I think, 26 positions across, yeah, Utah, Colorado, um, uh, Oregon, and Washington State. And I hardly heard back from any of them. And I, I interviewed for two places, the one I'm at now, Copper Hills, and one in, I believe it was Scapoose, Oregon, uh, in the middle of, of, of nowhere. But a, a cute little school with a, with a neat program. Um, but totally like polar opposite of the type of the program that I'm working with now. Mm. And um, I, I interviewed with them over Zoom. And then uh, a couple days after, I drove up from Cedar to Salt Lake to interview for this position at Copper Hills. Mm. Um, and then immediately after that interview, heard back from Scapoose, and they offered me the job. They said, uh, can you take this? I said, give me a couple weeks to make a final decision because I, I kind of prioritize this job over that one. Mm-hmm. Um 
mainly because it paid more and had a huge program, kind of what I was looking for. Um, and uh, they just didn't get back to me for almost a month and a half. And I figured, you know, uh, I guess I, I did my best. I interviewed well. Um, but because I wasn't hearing back, I was kind of uh, ready to accept that I wouldn't get the position. <laughs> and then on April 1st, in like the last two weeks of my student teaching, mm-hmm. um, I get a call and they said, don't freak out. <laughs> <laughs> But you got the job, and I was just ecstatic because this is a very high-profile position, a huge school district. Mm-hmm. Very rarely do they hire a first-year teacher, but I'm I'm not going to question it. I'm just happy I got the job <laughs> and um, was able to move into it. So yeah, on April 1st of this year is when I or of last year when I uh, when I heard that I got the job, and a couple weeks later we moved up. So got the job, finished my student teaching, graduated, and got the heck out of there. Oh man, and I think you know. Uh, that whole process, I'm sure, filling out 26 applications mm-hmm. also. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh, yeah. Like, and was it like, uh, were they all? Was it like a system you could put an application in on, or about six of them used the same system where it like saved my info, mm-hmm. uh, and I was able to recycle that, which was nice. But yeah, the rest of them, it was, uh, you know, every single application, and of course, with all of these, you wanna you wanna gear your cover letters and letters of recommendation to each school. Mm-hmm. So shout out to my advisors, Dr. Lambert. Um, <laughs> Mr. Keith Sorensen at Cedar High School. They they wrote me 26 letters of recommendation. 26. Well, it was the same one, but they just addressed it to a different school. Oh yeah, I get you, <laughs> I get you, I get you. But yeah, no, it was awesome. Oh, man. And so now we're here at Copper Hills. Mm-hmm. So we kind of got the journey. Uh, what's that? Um, what's the transition for you been like, though? Like that journey from the elementary life to high oh, school? It's been so great. <laughs> I <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I love my experience as an elementary teacher. It definitely... I would not be the man I am today without that, but oh my goodness, is it nice to teach high schoolers? <laughs> oh, Why is that, you think? So I'm, I guess it's just the type of person I am. I'm not a huge fan of, of young children. Um, I appreciate the energy, but at the same time, I can't stand the energy. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and my high schoolers are, are chill enough to where, you know, we have a mutual understanding of we're going to get stuff done. Mm-hmm. They ask more meaningful questions and it's, um, it, I don't know. I, I prefer to gear my practice toward uh, a semi-experienced musician and helping bring them to, you know, the semi-professional realm rather than just starting a brand new player. Mm-hmm. I I do have the patience, but I prefer the realm I'm in now, if that makes sense. No, I mean, pref- it's, and I think that's the big thing, too, with teaching is, like, it's definitely about preference. Absolutely. You know, like, some people... They really love middle school band. And, mm-hmm. you know, like for me, it's my favorite grade level that I taught was seventh grade. Mm-hmm. But some people are like, you're stupid. Why would you do that? <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, it's uh, a lot of people go nuts when I say that, you know, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't rather be anywhere else but high school. They think I'm crazy. Um, but the long hours, all the extra activities, marching band, doing jazz, having that versatility, that's that's what I love is, mm-hmm. is changing it up and being able to uh, work in all those different genres and subsets. Um, it just under the overlooming umbrella of band is just so much fun for me. Nice. <laughs> no, so, um, as a first year teacher, is there anything that you wish you knew before you came in? I think in my case specifically, it for me, it's been keeping my emotions under control. 
because I am so excited uh, in this position. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that I have a, a program that's in a rebuilding phase after COVID, after multiple directorial changes. Uh, I'm glad that I have this opportunity and flexibility to kind of shape this into what I want. But at the same time, I came in with so much energy and so much expectation to make things happen at a very fast pace because that's how I operate. Mm -hmm. And my students, my administration, all my staff have been so flexible and willing to work with me on this and it's been awesome. Um, but at the same time, a lot of these kids are getting burnt out. Um, and it's, I, I get frustrated when we're not making as much progress as I feel we should be making. And I'm sure every director faces this, uh, every teacher faces this in some uh, facet in that you, you know that these students and your program has the uh, capability and the potential for success. And as soon as they start falling short of that, it just gets so frustrating. And at the same time, I don't take this as a, a, an angry type of thing. I get excited because I get to work with them more and uh, keep working on this. But um, there's, there's a line between how much your students are, are willing to dedicate to it and how much, you know, that line between realistic expectations and uh, hyperbolic expectations, if you will, that has been hard to establish for me. And in that sense, my emotions have gotten the best of me in some cases where I'll get super excited, get in front of the students and um, start talking up a, a concert cycle with grade five music mm -hmm. uh, when they're, they could do it if we had, you know, 15 hours a week of band and uh, they'd practice an extra hour every day. And frankly, with the time that we do have, it is theoretically possible, but mm -hmm. in the current situation that we're in, it's not reasonably, um, it's not a reasonable expectation so much as it, as much as I want it to be. It, it's, it's still finding that balance and keeping my emotions under control so that I'm not overextending my excitement to challenge them too hard, if that makes sense. Yeah. Man, no, that's a good point. I guess that's something you really don't think about as much whenever you're going into teaching is like, Absolutely. you know, your personal emotions and how much it will affect the kids whenever you're in front of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's excitement is the biggest one for me because that's the uh, that's one of few one of like three main emotions I like to present in front of students. It's excitement, um, disappointment to an extent um, and contentness are, are the three that I strive for. Mm -hmm. um, trying to maintain a positive attitude all the way throughout it, even in, in, in moments of disappointment, it's always meant to be productive. But um, trying to limit myself to those three, I have to be careful how far I extend my in any direction on that. I've lost uh, only two students, which I'm thankful it's only been two, <laughs> um, uh, to how how intensely I display those emotions and how intensely I challenge them. Some of them just weren't up for the challenge and the expectations that I have in, in terms of repertoire, in terms of um, pacing from a student perspective, um, all of that. It's, it's hard, and I never anticipated this coming in. Hmm. I don't despise it, but it's interesting, and I never, never anticipated it. Um, do you think that it also could come from, you know, they're not used to having like a, um, someone new in front of them? I'm, yeah, I'm not 100% sure of the position no, before. Yeah, that, that's pretty much exactly it is um, these students, bless their hearts, have gone through uh, 
some of them, I'm the eighth director that they've seen in, uh, in, in, in their whole band experience throughout middle school. Uh, there was like a zoning change. So they went to one school, then they went to another and then they had a directorial change. Um, and then at the high school, they had one, he left, the assistant came up, uh, last year and then he left and now I'm there. Um, so it's just been a lot. And from what I can gather, I probably have the most intense expectations out of any of the directors that they've had thus far. And I don't, not to say that I'm just expecting the world out of these kids when they're only high schoolers. Um, I feel that they're reasonable. My colleagues feel that they're reasonable as well. Um, but it's, it's, it's hard trying to push them when they're, when they're so used to different styles and trying to adjust to something that's far more intense, which arguably they need but at the same yeah. time you know there's there's a lot of resistance to that there's a lot of resistance to uh to change from students and parents i'm thankful that the majority have been very receptive to that and those who aren't are willing to communicate to better understand where i'm coming from and um, how this can benefit them but at the same time it's just a really interesting uh process to get there yeah i mean and also like to only lose two kids too. That's not. Mm-hmm. That's not bad at all. Yeah. No. And they're they're both seniors. They they kind of checked out by that point. I'm you know sad that they that they left, but at the same time, I think it was probably best for them and their uh, mental state to pursue um, the the other a- academic paths that they're they're aiming for. But yeah. No. I'm I'm very impressed that it was only two. I'm, I'm again always ever grateful for my students and their uh, their will to move on regardless of. Uh, where they feel they're at, they they are doing an excellent job at trusting the process, mm-hmm. which I appreciate. Yeah, I mean, and it's a great group of kids. I've been there a few mm-hmm. times, as yeah. you know, but like it's um, you know, it, it's a real good vibe there. The kids seem to be buying in everything you're doing, mm-hmm. like, and they seem really happy too. Yeah, yeah I think, and we've had a lot of good results this year too. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie, it's uh, <laughs> uh, our track record has not been super great among the program between COVID and you know, millions of, of factors, but we've made a lot happen. We're, um, frankly, I want to shout out my, admi- to, uh, shout out my administration. Uh, they have been so supportive throughout this entire process. I haven't said no to a single thing yet. Um, but they have, they have helped give us all the tools that we need to, to grow our program and be a lot more successful. And our students are appreciating that. And it's definitely reflecting in, um, in their attitude and their demeanor and how they're playing. Um, we we scored highest in marching band history for our school this past season. Hey, um, despite not making many placements, they're used to that. But we've 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 come a long way um, in in the short time that I've been there. Mm-hmm. These students have just stepped it up so much, and they're they're starting to see the fruits of their labor, which I think is helping motivate them even further. Yeah, and, and for what is worth, I was at the indoor competition like. Was that last weekend? Mm-hmm. It feels like forever ago. At but Lehigh. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I was at Lehigh, and um. I heard uh, someone, I was sitting next to a few band parents from like Davis County and they were like, man, Copper Hills, I don't know, they were a different band this fall mm-hmm. and they didn't know that I was working with you oh, guys. Nice. We were just, uh, the we um, they saw you guys perform and they complimented the drum line mm-hmm. and then uh, they were like, yeah, I don't know what happened in the fall, but that program, oh, they're turning nice. it around. So <laughs> there you go. Oh, that's great. It's, it's good to hear. Uh, there's, I- it's weird that I don't, I, I don't expect compliments by any means. And the, the ones that I have had, that's another thing that I didn't anticipate, how awkward it is to re- receive some sort of commendation or, uh, uh, y- you know, thanks from parents or students. It's the most awkward thing in the world. <laughs> uh, <laughs> frankly, I hate it. I'd rather be grilled because I can, you know, 
I know how to react to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's been really interesting to to have so much uh, light shown upon our program and and how much that we've improved. Uh, which you know all credit is due to the students and my staff. They've just done so, again such an incredible job at um, being so flexible this season. Um, but at the same time, I I don't feel like it's I feel like they can go even further, you know. It's always I I always want more out of them, but at the same time, yeah, it's it's so awkward. It's so weird. Yeah, just <laughs> the parents like, thank you so much for what you've done. It's like yeah. I don't know what I did. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> who are you? <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, it's it's just been an incredible experience, and it's yeah, just so cool to see everything coming together, especially so soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, though this has been uh, essentially. Uh, this past year has been 100% of my high school teaching career. Yeah. Uh, it's only been one year, and the amount that we've been able to, co- to accomplish, um, the, the amount that our students have been able to accomplish in that, that short amount of time has just been incredible. <laughs> Frankly, I don't know what I'm going to do in four years when we w- if we plateau. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're just starting. Especially, yeah. like, yeah, the vibe there was great, and I think if you guys just keep riding that wave, yeah. it's going to be great. I'm excited. Yeah, so last thing, I have a question. Mm-hmm. I ask everyone, do you have, what's your craziest story from the classroom? Oh it could be elementary, student teaching, anything. I have like four stories I got to decide between them. But yeah, no, take your time. It's okay. <laughs> it's all good. Edit this bit out, right? <laughs> <laughs> No, it's a loaded question because so yep. much happens in the classroom. Yep, absolutely. Especially in the elementary world. So this would have to be this one time where I was actually coming in as a guest um, to a uh, charter school in the Cedar Valley, mm-hmm. um, the, the Cedar City Valley, not Cedar Valley up north. Um, with one of my buddies, Justin, who was also a music ed major at the time, and we go in to help this uh, intermediate band class at this uh, at this charter middle school, and it was just the weirdest combination of things that we heard children say that day that just kind of piled on top of each other. We we had a great time, but just the weird. I, I've never heard kids say as unhinged things as they had that day. Like how unhinged are we talking? Like. <laughs> like just really funny things that are so out of pocket. Only a child could think of it, if oh. that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, no. So I'm, I'm hanging with my buddy Justin. We're working with the saxophone section because it's just huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the, the first kid co- who comes up as soon as we get started, um, uh, I say, hi, I'm Mr. K. And Justin says, hi, I'm Mr. J. Um, we're going to be working with you guys today. Uh, how long have you guys been playing saxophone? And one kid just raises his hand, and we're like, yeah, what's up, kid? And he says, um, you look like my dad who passed away. <laughs> it was, you know, what do you say to that, right? It's such an <laughs> offhanded question. It's like, oh, okay, uh, yeah. Thank you, yeah. I guess. <laughs> and, you know, not even two minutes later, uh, we're working on, you know, jumping the octave and getting over that break on the sax. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, statistically, 90% of the kids can do it if they're at this level. But there's one or two who's having trouble with the jump. Mm-hmm. And it turns out he just wasn't pushing the register key to get to that um, upper octave. So we, we say, all right, yeah, just make sure that you shift your, f- your thumb so that you cover that key and uh, push it down as soon as you go, you know, above that C sharp. And there's one kid who can't do it. He's like, I think my 
hands are too small. And we're like, oh, no, you just got to adjust it like this. He says, no, 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 my hands are too small. And then, like, two kids simultaneously say, oh, his hands are too small because he has diabetes. <laughs> and <laughs> it was just so weird, all the all the little things that they exclaimed. And I think there was one or two others. Uh, I don't know how explicit am I allowed to be on this, co- on this I podcast. I mean, go for it. Be r- as raw and honest as possible, man. <laughs> And just to clar- clarify, like what grade level are so we exactly? This is the charter school is K through eight. Okay. Um, but this group, I think, was exclusively seventh graders. I knew it. Maybe, I could feel yeah, it. I yeah, could feel it. Great energy. Um, oh yeah, no, it was it was nuts. And yeah, by the time we're done, um, the the buses come up and we're we're talking with the teacher. And one kid comes back out and he's like. Um, uh, Miss, I'm going to protect her name for identity's sake. Miss, okay. blah, blah, blah. I uh, <laughs> um, I can't go back on the bus. And she's like, why not? And he's like, some kid shit himself. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, why are you telling us? Please. We are the furthest class from the buses. And I don't know. It <laughs> I hear weird stuff all the time from students. And frankly, with high schoolers, it's hilarious. I have to stop myself from laughing so I don't enable them. Uh, yeah, but I with these that. guys, you know, it's you don't know how to react to what they're saying half of the time because it's so out of pocket, so weird. I don't know. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, and it uh, like I f- I, f- I understand that because in some situations it's like, you know, if you do when you laugh, it kind of humanizes you a little yeah, bit to them. Absolutely. But at the same time, you can't all the time. Yes, and that's a big classroom management error of mine. You know, being only twenty two and teaching high schoolers. You know, they have siblings older than me, mm-hmm. and you know, I prop- I can probably relate to these guys way better than I can relate to any of my colleagues, which is really strange. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I'm using it to my advantage at this point because they, uh, I can entertain like nobody's business and make everything super relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, classroom management-wise, it's such a struggle, especially in my lower ensemble. I have a couple kids who are jokesters, and they are really funny. <laughs> and you know, if 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 I crack a laugh, it's over because it, mm-hmm. they'll just take off and it, it becomes the rest of class. And it's it's a great time. I'm not going to lie. But at mm-hmm. the same time, we have stuff to get done um, and just, you know, fighting the fighting the laugh or fighting, you know, paying them any attention. Attention is so hard when it's just it's it's premium content. It's really good. Yeah. No, <laughs> I believe it. One hundred percent. And it's always like the kid that no one expects. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we uh, I use a Kermit doll for my uh, as a teaching method. Um, at the start of class, we'll kind of uh, I won't talk. I'll go through our warm ups, and then I'll have them kind of hone in on one element, whether that's articulation, um, tone, color, all of that good stuff. And I make them guess what the word of the day is as to what we're working on. And I have Kermit kind of mouth it, and they <laughs> all say in Kermit's voice, "The word of the day is you know articulation." Brought to you by the letter A. <laughs> one kid inserts advertisements after each and every one you know brought to you by the letter a and he's like and raid shadow legends and he he prepared like a whole script and for like six minutes i i made the mistake of letting him go on read like an entire like medication commercial (laughs) in that span but i just sat back and like watch it was so funny the creativity that these guys have and I don't know. It's hard to find that balance too as to how far you let them go because yes, it's funny. It makes class a lot more worth it, but we got festival coming up. <laughs> it's no, I it's totally get that. And it's like I don't know, it's some it's like a balance like you said. Mm-hmm. It's good to let them do that sometimes because it creates a culture. Absolutely. 
But then it's like, okay, we can't do that today. Yeah. <laughs> now my biggest my biggest fault too is I was that kid. So <laughs> I, I totally know where he's coming from and half of me wants to one up him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, it's it's really interesting. And I've 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 learned a lot as to what I can and can't do, uh, in terms of what I can allow in my classroom, um, up until this point. But yeah, it's it's interesting. It's always interesting. Never a dull moment in the band room. No, that's yeah. You're hundred percent right about that. <laughs> well, Chris I want to say thanks so much for doing this, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, you were my first podcast in Salt Lake City. I'm honored. <laughs> I'm honored. Thank you. I will never forget this moment. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in. I really hope you enjoyed this. And, uh, yeah, you should definitely check out Copper Hills at an indoor competition. Or where can we find you at? Uh, you can catch us all around the state this fall. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're, we're competing in the full marching band competition. Uh, you can catch us on YouTube. You can check out our website, chhsbands.org. Got a whole bunch of cool stuff there. Check us out. Yeah, there we go. Well, thanks again for tuning in, everybody. Bye.